Today on Blue 58, the Packers are getting ready to host the Minnesota Vikings. What can they expect from a still very potent Mike Zimmer defense? We know at least one thing, and here's how it'll work. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. I was prepared to talk about a bunch of injuries and some potential transactions for the Packers coming out of week one, but that's the interesting thing about the Packers early in this season. There aren't a lot of those things to talk about, particularly on the injury side. Here is a summary of the notable injuries from last Thursday. There aren't any. The Packers are still relatively healthy, heading now into week two of the regular season. When is the last time that happened? That's a, that's a little bit unusual for the Packers in, in relatively recent history. I, I haven't seen anybody that, out there, though, asking for the strength and conditioning staff to get a raise, which seems like the fair thing to do since when everybody is getting hurt, everyone and their uncle is demanding for the strength and conditioning staff to be fired as though that has something to do with it. When somebody tears an ACL or something, this seems like just fair that they should get a raise when very few people are sustaining significant injuries. That's just my personal soapbox. The notable transactions, again, not really anybody coming out of week one, but we never did get much of a chance to talk about BJ Goodson just because of where that trade fell. So let's talk about that for a second. I think he fits the Antonio Morrison mold, a little bit bigger than Blake Martinez, a little bit slower than both Martinez and the hybrid linebacker types, and generally more known for stopping the run than doing anything super effective against the pass. How much is he actually going to play this year, though? Eh, I'm not really sure. Antonio Morrison didn't play all that much, in all honesty, for the Packers last year. And if Goodson even gets to that threshold where Morrison was last year, I would be a little bit surprised. In fact, I would be a little bit on the surprise side if he finished out the season with the Packers and they didn't just cut bait like middle of the year or something like that. Because you have to remember... They've got Oren Burks coming back at some point this year, and they've got Abraham Campbell coming off the physically unable to perform list at or around midseason should his rehabilitation from his torn ACL continue to go well. So there's going to be a bit of a logjam in the middle of the Packers defense because they're playing that hybrid safety look a lot. They're playing... um, with guys that are a little bit faster and more athletic, that's the more the Oren Burks type. I'm not sure there is a lot of room for a guy like Goodson in the Packers defense. But if he's good enough that they traded for him, he'll probably get a look here at some point, and it'll be interesting to see what he offers when that does, in fact, happen. Speaking of linebackers, our main topic for today is, as you might have guessed from the title, how Mike Zimmer is going to attack the Packers. I was mistaken on the last episode we did of Blue 58. We did not do this topic back in 2017. Not two years ago, as we originally said. We originally explored this topic all the way back on September 14th of 2016, almost exactly three years ago. It happened in episode six of Blue 58. Should you be so inclined to go all the way back to that and listen? I wouldn't necessarily encourage it because I'm pretty sure those early episodes are not super great. You can do that if you're if you are so inclined, though. I did think this topic would be worth revisiting for a couple reasons. First, the Vikings are good on defense. They are good at it. And they're going to continue to be good at it, probably as long as Mike Zimmer is around in Minnesota, because he tends to produce good defenses. Secondly, Mike Zimmer started this particular tactic a long time ago, back when he was with Cincinnati, probably even before then, and it's kind of spread throughout the league. Uh, 
He does a lot of things on defense, but this is one of the things he's most known for and one of the things that he does best. It's the double A-gap blitz. What is that? In short, it's a blitz right through the offense's front door, or at the very least, the threat that the defense is going to do just that. To explore this, we have to answer a few questions. First and foremost, what is a gap? A gap in particular, and then the A-gap more specifically. Gaps are the spaces between offensive players. They're lettered A through D, starting on the inside and going out. So the A-gap is the space to either side of the center between the center and the guard. Right to his right and right to his left. Just to his right or just to his left to avoid using right twice. You may have heard about holes. That's what the offense uses. They count up starting at one to the left of the center and then from two to the right of the center. So the hole between the center and guard to the left is the one hole and then the three hole between the guard and the tackle and so on. The same to the right using only odd numbers. On defense, they use letters instead. The A-gap, therefore, is either side of the center between the guards. What, then, is a double A-gap blitz? Well, the double A-gap blitz is when the defense sends uh, defenders directly through both A-gaps. It puts a lot of stress on that part of the, the offensive line. Oftentimes, a lot of the time, in fact, especially when Mike Zimmer does this, This will be preceded by both players standing pretty much directly in those gaps right before the snap. You can guess when a double-A gap blitz is coming because you can see the guys standing right about where they're going to run. This is often referred to as a mug front or mugging or sugaring the A gap because in football, we can never just say they're doing the thing. You have to come up with another word to say what they're doing. You would never just say they're standing in the A-gap. No, they're mugging the A-gap or sugaring the A-gap. Why you will use a normal word when a nonsense word will do. That's the beauty of football. So why do this at all? What does a double A-gap blitz accomplish? First, well, two things really. First, it stresses the center and quarterback. Those are the people on offense who have the most pre-snap responsibilities. The quarterback and center have to do a lot on each and every offensive play probably more than just about anybody else on offense, but they have even more to do before the ball is even snapped. They have to identify defensive fronts. They have to think about coverages. They have to find the Mike linebacker. They have to adjust blocking schemes to account for all of those things. And if you can have them spending a whole bunch of time worrying about two guys coming firing through the A-gap, that's already a win for the defense. On top of that, sometimes defenses will threaten to do this sort of technique and then not do it at all. But the threat of that pressure is just as good as the pressure itself in some cases. This is referred to as simulated pressure. If you're a subscriber to The Athletic, you'll read about this from Ben Fennell a lot when he's doing his Packers breakdowns because this is something that Mike Pettin does a lot. He will pretend as though he is going to send two players blitzing right through the A-gaps and then back off or rotate into a different blitz. That simulated pressure, just getting you thinking about the idea of players coming through that part of your offensive line is often just as effective as actually blitzing those guys. Secondly, It can make things a lot more simple elsewhere on defense. One of the best ways to make your defense successful is to make it as simple as possible. And defense is already really simple if you think about it. See that guy? Don't let him get past you. Oh, they're passing? Don't let him catch it. Hey, he caught the ball? Well, get him. 
Obviously, it's more complex than that, but not by a lot. That's basically it when it comes to defense. Just stop the offense from doing what they're doing. Often, you can make some people's job simpler by having other people on your defense do something a little bit more complex. This is a great example of how that works. Let's look at how that plays out with a double A gap blitz. If you can have the center and the quarterback, the two most important players pre-snap, worrying about just two of your guys on defense, that frees just about everybody else up to do the most basic job in football, beating the guy across from them. That's the essential conflict in football, and you'll hear coaches at literally every level of the game talk about this. The NFL, college football, high school football, grade school football, everybody talks about just beating the guy who's lining up across from you. What does that look like? In the secondary, it might look like being able to play man-to-man coverage and just making sure the guy that you're covering doesn't get the ball. If you're a part of the front seven, since part of the offensive line, a large part of it, is going to be occupied uh, with defending these two guys coming through the A-gaps, that gives you a chance to maybe go one-on-one against a different offensive lineman. So say you're Minnesota Vikings defensive end Daniil Hunter lining up against Brian Bulaga, who's playing right tackle. If you're sending two guys through the A-gaps and the Packers decide to counter that by blocking down with both of their guards, suddenly Billy Turner, also on the right side of the Packers offensive line, isn't going to be able to worry about you beating Brian Bulaga. If he's worried about the guys running to his left, you're not going to be able to, he's not going to be able to worry about you, Daniil Hunter, coming through on his right or worrying about Brian Bulaga on his right side. He's focused on something else. He can't focus on you instead. So how does the offense counteract something like a double-A gap blitz? If the Packers are on offense, if Aaron Rodgers is calling the shots and he sees this coming, what are the Packers going to do to adjust? adjust? Well, first, the easiest way to counter a double-A gap blitz is to just make sure those guys get blocked. The very excellent book, Blood, Sweat, and Chalk, presents three ways to do this, identified as gap protection, slide protection, and straight protection. In gap protection, both guards block towards the inside of the offensive line. They make sure that the center doesn't get beat to either side by lending a little bit of extra support to him on either side. The downside to this, as we kind of outlined in the previous scenario, is that it can free up edge rushers. So if you're Billy Turner, let's return to the Daniil Hunter situation, and you're trying to make sure that nobody gets through next to you between you and Corey Lindsley, suddenly Daniil Hunter can work one-on-one against Brian Bulaga. This, incidentally, is also where simulated pressure can be as good as actual uh, pressure. If you mess with the protection through the threat of of the blitz, you've already accomplished a lot. So if you can get Billy Turner, the right guard on the Packers, to think even for a split second that he might have to take a step inside instead of outside, that could be just enough for somebody to get through on the other side of Turner over on the Brian Bulaga side. It just gives the offensive line a lot more to think about when you're sending someone through a very vulnerable part of the line. The next solution there is slide protection. The whole line moves one way, either to the left or to the right. The center will take one of the two players 
uh, coming through the A-gap, and then the quarterback moves with the rest of the offensive line just to get away. The downside to this is that it screws with your play design. So say a play is set up to take you know, just a straight drop back and suddenly you have to move to the right or to the left. Suddenly your launch points, the place where you're trying to get to to throw the ball, is not where it was originally supposed to be. That affects things like the distance that a quarterback has to throw. I know, right? Simple stuff. But it's part of defense, just moving guys off their spots, moving them from where they want to be, moving them from where they're supposed to be. That affects timing and rhythm and all sorts of things like that. So if you're going with slide protection, it better be a part of your play from the get-go. Then there's just straight protection. The center is going to take one of the two guys coming straight through the middle, and the running back is going to take the other guy. The downside here should be pretty obvious. Uh, When you have a running back devoted to blocking, you have one fewer eligible receiver, And there's a good chance that he's not going to be a terribly good blocker to begin with. So this is probably a more temporary solution, one where you're going to have to get the ball out a lot quicker. In fact, each of these also kind of tie into just getting the ball out quicker. And that is the overall second solution to countering this situation. How do you avoid getting sacked through a double A gap blitz? Well, you might just want to throw the ball a little bit faster. That seems a little bit obvious, and it is. And maybe that is a little bit overly simplistic because sometimes it's not just quite so simple as saying do the job faster that you're supposed to do. Because if you want to get the ball out faster, chances are you're going to have to rely on a lot of short throws. And that's fine, but if you resign yourself to just those short throws, that makes your job on offense a lot harder. It's going to take you more plays to get down the field. Uh, it's going to take uh, give you more opportunities to screw up since you're running more plays. And chances are your drive may just bog down sooner since there's a whole lot of other opportunities for things to go wrong. Incidentally, this is one of the, the great principles beca- behind uh, the Tampa 2 defense. Really, really focused on avoiding giving up big plays down the sideline and down the middle of the field. Focused on making the offense take long, long drives to get down the field. You want to give the offense opportunities to screw up. Make your job simple, keep everything in front of you, and make the offense screw things up. An inaccurate pass, a dropped ball, a busted protection scheme that results in the sack. Suddenly the offense has gotten in its own way, and your job is that much easier because now they're facing second and long, third and long, something like that. So think about this when it relates to the Packers and Vikings. So early in the in the uh in an offensive set, an offensive drive, the Packers are facing a first and 10. Uh, the Vikings go with a double leg gap blitz and they force the Packers into a second and 10. Suddenly they, they have to get yards on second down to set themselves up for a third down conversion. So what do they do? Do they run again on second down or they try to run? Well, if they don't get any yards then, then suddenly you're facing a third and long. Here comes the, the fake uh, double A gap blitz. And now the Vikings can do something different in their secondary, make it really hard for you to pick up that third down conversion. L- uh, relying on getting the ball out quicker also puts yourself, puts your quarterback in a, in a situation where he's facing a defense that already has a much simpler job due to the blitz. So that's something that we referred to a little bit earlier. Uh, the, the defense, since they're doing something complex up front, can do something simpler in the back end. That can make even those short completions a little bit harder. Since you have a simpler job as a defensive back, you can focus on doing just the one simple thing that all football coaches preach. Beat the guy across from you. So Xavier Rhodes, though he's had a little bit more trouble against Devontae Adams in the last couple of games, suddenly, if he's getting help from the guys blitzing up front, 
he can focus on just shutting down Devontae Adams, challenging though that may be. Even if it is hard, it's a lot easier if that's all that he has to do and if he has to do it for a little bit less time. And that really is the ultimate goal of this splits. So is there any hope for the Packers here? I think there is. And that's because, at least in part, they've handled Mike Zimmer and the Vikings pretty effectively at Lambeau for a while now. Over the last four games the Packers have played against the Vikings at Lambeau Field, Aaron Rodgers has completed just a shade under 70% of his passes for nine touchdowns and one interception. Overall, that's a 110.1 passer rating. And as researched by our very own Gary Zillavi, Sunday will mark 1,351 days since Aaron Rodgers last threw an interception against the Vikings at home. He's done a pretty good job against the Vikings and their tricky blitzes in the relatively recent past. But there's another aspect of this that could complicate the situation, and it's been something that I've been uh, trying to work into this content or the content we produce for a while. Uh, I think if there's a, a legitimate question about the Packers' offensive coaching staff, it comes down to offensive line coach Adam Stenovich. This is something that Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel pointed out a while ago. Stenovich is, by a fair margin, probably the least experienced offensive coach the Packers have. He's never been a full offensive line coach. He's only ever been an assistant coach. Why is that important? Well, the job of the offensive line coach is to come up with schemes and protections that are going to counteract things like a double-A gap blitz. He's the one that's putting in the, the part of the game plan that deals with this kind of thing. He's working with the offensive line to come up with plans for what they're going to do, relaying that to the quarterback, and uh, working closely with Matt LaFleur to make sure that they can counteract these things that the Vikings are doing. If Stanovich isn't prepared for something like this, if he doesn't realize or uh, account for the things that are going to happen, it could be a long day for the Packers at Lambeau Field on Sunday. I called the Vikings multiple times in our last episode a headache. They're going to be a headache for the Packers, and I would count on that on Sunday. I haven't decided if I'm going to predict a Packers win or a Packers loss, and really it may not matter at all because the last time I made a prediction, I was flat out wrong. I, I said the Packers were going to lose to the Bears in week one. I don't know if you saw it, but they ended up not losing to the Bears in week one. Uh, so take those predictions with a grain of salt. I will predict, though, that it's going to be a tough, tough game regardless of whether the Packers win or lose. And part of that will be due to these defensive tactics the Vikings regularly use. That's all I've got for you on this episode. A little bit shorter episode, but that's okay. Uh, we're, we're trying to give you the most efficient, effective content that we can. And uh, if that means we go a little bit shorter on some episodes, uh, so be it. I think uh, quality content is, is a lot better than quantity content. Thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate you tuning in. If you like what you heard and you want to hear more of it, do us a favor and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you choose to listen through. It does help more people find the show. If you really like what you heard and want to show your support in other ways, the best way to do that is to donate a dollar per month to our Patreon campaign. Patreon.com slash ThePowerSweep is where you will find that. We ask for just $1 a month that'll get you access to some bonus content that we produce and it shows you that you value the things that we do here at the power sweep and blue 58 you also have the option of checking out our great t-shirts and sweatshirts by clicking the shop link at thepowersweep.com so good stuff there as well never hesitate to reach out leave us some feedback uh, ask us a question the more people that do that the better this show can be and that helps further our mission of helping everybody become smarter packers fans and as i always say smarter packers fans are better packers fans and better packers fans 
fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.